You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. HUD, which came out in 1963, was directed by Martin Ritt. It stars Paul Newman, Melvin Douglas, Patricia Neal, and Brandon DeWilde. The genre would be family drama. This was certainly an interesting stop along my ongoing journey into the catalog of who is likely one of the best movie stars of all time. If not the best. Well, he's up there. Someone who has actually bridged the gap between old Hollywood and modern Hollywood. The late, great Paul Newman. And this was peak Newman as a full-on movie star. Now in his late 30s, writing acclaim and success from recent hits like Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and The Hustler. In what might also be considered his first full-on heel role. Even though he'd already kind of played some very flawed protagonists in some of those recent roles, this was the first time he was playing a guy who you're definitively not supposed to be pulling for. Now, if there was an actual protagonist, he might be the wide-eyed, impressionable young Lonnie, played by Brandon DeWilde, though his character is relatively passive and kind of just along for the ride. He's nephew to Newman's HUD, and they live with Homer, played by Melvin Douglas, who is HUD's actual father. They all live together on a Texas farm, along with their live-in maid Alma, played by Patricia Neal. This was adapted from a novel by acclaimed Western writer Larry McMurtry. And like pretty much every other drama taking place on a farm post-1940, this story also has an increasingly bummer third act. Just unavoidable. Which is okay, since most of this movie is kept interesting by four very strong performances at its core, continuously keeping its story, or what little story there is, moving forward. 
Both Douglas and Neil won Oscars, and deservedly so, whereas Newman was only nominated for Best Actor. One of several nominations that he would receive before eventually, finally winning more than 20 years later for The Color of Money. This is basically a character piece, kind of in the vein of Death of a Salesman, only on a farm. Newman's HUD is a directionless ranch hand with a dark past filled with excessive drinking. And his current preoccupation is basically just to bed every attractive woman, married or not, in his vicinity. This could very well be the most irredeemable character that Newman has ever played, but he still brings an unmistakable charisma to it, making it all the more tragic to witness the turmoil that he continuously puts his father through. The basic overall narrative hinges on the looming fear of a potential foot-in-mouth outbreak occurring among the cows at the family farm, with the implication being that if such an infection is spreading among the animals, it would basically kill the farm. And the central conflict of the story emerges over exactly what to do about this. Homer wants to do the right thing, to potentially stop the spread towards other areas, whereas HUD just wants to take the money and run. Father and son never agree on this, and the scenes portraying a bubbly stew of resentment and anger between them are among the film's highlights. It's mostly clipped dialogue mixed with disapproving looks between them. And yet for a film which on paper very much resembles a chamber piece or even a stage play, HUD has a gorgeous, expansive look to it, thanks to exemplary lensing from the late great legendary director of photography, James Wong Howe making great use of various scenic locations around Texas. Late in the movie, there's also one standout sequence, which is genuinely visually impressive, but I'll get to that in a bit. And now the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Now, HUD is a pretty quiet movie, with barely a score, let alone a soundtrack. Most of the runtime is actually without any music. However, what little music we do hear is quite lovely. Generally spare acoustic guitar, which very much fits the tone of the movie. And the composer behind it? The late, great, legendary Elmer Bernstein who really had one hell of a career spanning 50 years from 1951 until 2002 before passing away in 2004. 
This gentleman had more than 250 credits and put a pretty stunning variety of memorable scores for different genres. Now, growing up in the 80s, I mainly got to know Elmer Bernstein as a comedy guy. And seriously, he had a genuinely strong run during this time, composing really catchy scores for Ghostbusters, Trading Places, Airplane, the underrated Funny Farm, and what I consider the greatest comedy score of all time for previous episode, Stripes. Well, apparently his score for HUD was in the middle of another crazy run from the mid-50s through the early 60s when he delivered a string of affecting dramatic scores, some actually quite bombastic, including The Ten Commandments, Magnificent Seven, The Great Escape, To Kill a Mockingbird, and this one, of course. The main theme that we hear during the opening credits perfectly sets the tone for the movie, which follows. The next category would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Honestly, considering the pedigree of this film and when it came out, I'm honestly at a loss as to noticing any particular talent that was wasted in the making of this film. It seems strong across the board on a technical level, and every role feels well cast. And it did pretty well at the Oscars that year, too. With one strange exception. HUD received seven nominations and most of the major categories. Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, Adapted Screenplay... Except for one, Best Picture. And don't get me wrong, it was a pretty strong year, as other Best Picture nominees included Tom Jones, How the West Was Won, Lilies of the Field, and other high-quality films from that year which failed to make the cut included The Great Escape, Eight and a Half, and Charade. Of course, 1963 was also most famously the year of Cleopatra, the long-delayed epic which for several decades would remain the most expensive film ever made, and it received generally bad reviews. At four hours, it was also considered to be a bloated, excessive trial to sit through. And yet, that movie was nominated for Best Picture, Cleopatra. <sighs> well, fast forward 60 years, and I highly doubt that you will find anyone who has seen both of these movies to anoint Cleopatra as the superior film over HUD. Oh well, history. The next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scener moment that best describes this movie. I kind of mentioned this earlier, but there is one shot late in the movie that looks challenging even by today's standards, let alone 1962. I don't know how the DP and director Martin Ritt even pull it off. It's kind of crazy. We are watching Lonnie drive alone late at night on a country road, and we not only have clear view of Lonnie, we can also clearly see the driver behind him through his window who is gaining on him. That would be HUD, actually. The camera's actually following both of them. The scene culminates in a pileup between the two cars, and I'm not sure if they were using rear projection or a dolly, but it looks very convincing. This qualifies as not only the most exciting moment in the film, but also the most exquisitely shot. It's no wonder, then, that James Wong Howe won the Oscar that year for Best Cinematography. And now the final category, the MVP. 
This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Small-scale stories set within a select few locations, focusing on a select few characters, can often be challenging to transform into compelling films. And it helps to have someone with a stage direction background to bridge that gap, which this director had. Before he was a director, Martin Ritt was both a director of stage and TV, along with being a playwright. He always had a way with actors, and his unique ability to mentor them thrived for several years, though under less than ideal circumstances. You see, in the 1950s, Ritt's burgeoning career as a director was stopped short as he was blacklisted by the House Committee on Un-American Activities. Yeah, Joseph McCarthy. Even though he really never had any communist affiliations. And for five years, the only work that he could get was as a mentor at the famous Actors Studio in New York, where he built up his reputation in addition to forging several relationships. And once all of the Red Scare nonsense dissipated, he started directing feature films. And with a vengeance, no less. Yeah, kicking off his film directing career in 57, he rattled off eight films in six years, including several quality ones, including The Long Hot Summer, which starred, you guessed it, Paul Newman, in one of his early breakout roles. He would also go on to direct Newman in a total of six movies. And this early part of Ritt's career culminated in 63 with the release of HUD, which earned him his first and only Oscar nomination for Best Director. By this point, he was well known as not only one of the most reliable filmmakers out there, but a true mensch who everyone trusted and liked. He certainly brings that humanity to the story as well, as every role is given some depth, no matter the circumstances, nor how little screen time they receive. Even the veterinarian played by Whit Bissell, who comes to the farm bringing bad tidings about foot and mouth disease. In a lesser picture, his character would often be played as a caricature. And there's even that haunting scene late in the movie when they have to shoot all their cows. Yeah, it comes to that. We don't actually see much, and we hear just enough to get the idea. It's actually treated as something melancholy, and it's never milked for melodrama. <laughs> Sorry, no pun intended. I walked into that one. But for bringing his own distinct delicacy to this material, Martin Ritt is the MVP. My rating for HUD would be four stars out of five. Overall, this is more of a rewarding watch than an entertaining one, but it never loses focus on its main characters who keep it interesting. It's a sad morality tale, which is, at the very least, a strong recommendation for Paul Newman devotees, which I am. You just can't take your eyes off of him, even when you can't stand him. It remains one of his best performances. And if you're looking to watch HUD, it is currently streaming on Canopy. And that ends another agrarian review. Special shout out to my lovely wife, Marlene Gershon, for producing this podcast and to my lovely daughter, Ella Gershon, for assisting in the editing. Please like, subscribe and share the Living for the Cinema podcast and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.